church. So it's evident that God had a plan for local churches and that he intended for individual Christians to be a part of a local church. Within a local church, an individual Christian can find an environment in which he or she can learn and grow and serve. And it's that last thing that we want to talk about this morning, serving in a local church. We serve in all of our service to God out of love. We serve God because we love him. In fact, the very word worship suggests showing love and affection to God. But we serve one another in the name of God, and we serve one another in a local church out of love. So Paul will write to the Galatian churches in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Brethren, he says, you have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We need to understand that our relationship with each other in Christ is not fleshly, and it is not primarily concerned with our fleshly, physical needs. We don't operate together in a local church primarily for what it brings to us with regard to our flesh, with regard to our physical man, but with regard to our spiritual man. Paul goes on to say, all the law is fulfilled in this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Through love, serve one another. So I preface all that I'm about to say this morning with this. We'll be talking about serving one another in the local church. Love is the motivation for that. You're going to be asking yourself, well, why should I care? You know, why should I do this? <laughs> I've been handed a sheet. It's got a bunch of stuff I might could do, you know, listed on it. The elders want you to fill it out and turn it in. But why? Why? Because we love each other. Because we love God. We want to help one another go to heaven. There's the why. Through love, serve one another. There are a lot of opportunities for spiritual service in a local church. Faithful attendance and involvement in the local church. It really all begins with attendance in the assemblies of the church. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Stirring up love is what assembling is all about. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, he goes on to say. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Assembling stirs up love and puts us to work. It encourages us to do the things that we need to do. We miss out on that encouragement. We miss out on opportunities to serve when we fail to assemble. Or even perhaps when we're late to assemble. You remember the Apostle Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas. I don't like that term. He wasn't really a doubter any more than the other apostles were. The other apostles, uh, they needed to see Jesus as well, all except John, as far as I can tell. The problem with Thomas was not so much that he was a doubter any more than the others were. His real problem was that he wasn't there. He wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the other disciples in the upper room, in the closed-up room, I should say, the, the day that he rose from the dead. Thomas was absent. I don't know why he was absent. Maybe he was sick. Maybe they didn't tell him about the meeting. I doubt that. 
Maybe he had something he thought was more important to do. Maybe he forgot. Maybe he slept late. That's probably not right because it was in the evening when, um, when they met, but he could have been a late sleeper. Whatever it was, he missed out on something. And because he missed out on something, he went eight days, eight more days, without believing in the resurrected Lord because he missed out on something, because he wasn't there. What are we going to miss out on when we're not in assemblies where Christ and his word is being put forth before us, is being planted in our minds and taken into our hearts? What are we going to miss out on when we're not part of the assembly? We miss out on learning and edification and encouragement and an opportunity to to glorify God and encourage one another. We're not cooperating with the elders or looking out for others' interests and their concerns when we aren't here and aren't here promptly, ready to participate. I want you to think about Philippians chapter 2. There are a lot of applications to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. And I want to share one with you now that I think will help us think about this, maybe in a different way. Philippians 2 and verse 4, the apostle writing to the Philippian church now, says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Why do I want to serve? Why do I want to assemble? Why do I want to be involved? Why do I want to actively participate? Not just for me, it's not all about me. It's about others' interests as well. As we assemble, I think it's important that we keep others' interests in mind. Continually failing to assemble, being tardy, does not communicate zeal for serving Christ. And it does not communicate love and consideration for others. We have very few real excuses for not assembling as we should, when we should. We have some. I mean, there is sickness. There are things that happen that we have no control of. We understand that. But we have very few compared to other parts of the world. I regularly receive uh, reports from brethren, not only that we support, but uh, several that we don't support in various parts of the world, especially from Africa. And I got one this last week from a brother by the name of Robert And he was describing the day's activities last Lord's Day. And this is what he says. The weather has disturbed a lot of people. It has been raining during the course of the evening. Then some this morning, we were having light showers. I met with the brethren at 22 Miles. That's the name of the church. It's called 22 Miles. I don't know why they named it that. but I met with the brethren at 22 Miles. We met in a sister's kitchen. It did not go well at the beginning of our service, but when we were almost done, the brethren came. I think a lot of things about that. I think about the fact that here it was raining, apparently night and into the day. These brethren don't have cars to ride in. Some walk many miles to get to locations. A lot of times when they get there, 
They would normally meet under a tree or under a shelter. Here they're in a lady's house. Probably wasn't a very big place. Brethren were way late. And as Robert says, it wasn't good. But finally they came. They missed out on a lot of edification. A lot of growth. A lot of opportunity. Because they couldn't be there. When they were supposed to be. Or at least they were hindered from it, seriously. When I think about the churches in places like Robert is talking about there, it's hard for those churches to grow. It's hard for those members to grow individually because they're hampered so much just from assembling and being edified. They don't have the wonderful privilege that we have of meeting in commodious auditoriums driving nice cars, living in fine houses not very far from the place where we meet. Through love, let us serve one another by first of all being here and participating fully in all that happens. Opportunities for spiritual service in the local church include opportunities to share the word. Brethren can teach publicly. Acts 11 and verse 26 speaks of Paul and Barnabas going to the church at Antioch. We noticed this last week. And it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. In Acts chapter 13, we learn that there were several teachers in that church teaching publicly. In the assembly of the church, we can read Scripture in and out of the assembly as far as that goes. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16, to the church of the Colossians, Paul wrote, let this epistle, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And you likewise read the epistle from, the, from, from Laodicea. So here you have brethren being instructed to stand up and publicly read the scriptures in the assembly. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Timothy is told by the Apostle Paul, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. The ESV there, I think, correctly translates that word reading as public reading. The text in the ESV says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. What can be done in a local assembly? Teaching can go on. The reading of Scripture can happen. It's valuable, it's important, it's edifying. And then, out of the assembly, women can teach women and help others. We're familiar with Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, where Paul commends a woman by the name of Phoebe. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea. So here is a woman who's called a servant of the church. Are there opportunities for women to serve in the church? Apparently so. For Phoebe was a servant of the church in Sincrea. A lot of people want to make a big deal out of the word there being the same word we get deacon from. It is the same word we get deacon from, but far and away it's used just to mean a servant in the New Testament. And so the text goes on to say, Paul tells people to receive her, that is to receive Phoebe, in, in, in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. 
and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she's been a helper of many and of myself also. So we learn that Phoebe was a servant and that she was a helper, a servant of the church and a helper. How did she help? In the two or so centuries after uh, the church began in the first century, there are a a number of uh, references and allusions to women who were servants of churches, not in any official capacity like the title of a deacon, but simply that they served churches in various ways. There are actually several records of this kind of thing. How did they serve? Well, according to one um, scholarly reference, it says that Phoebe was in some sense a dedicated helper of the church in Sincrea. It says that for two centuries after this time, allusions are frequent to sisters helping in this way. And the way that's described is this. They were employed both in the relief of temporal distress, that is helping people with their needs, physical needs, but chiefly among the women, also in the elementary teaching of female converts. Serving the church, women by teaching women. It's as old as Paul's direction in Titus chapter 3, 2, verses 3 and 4, rather, that women are to be teachers of good things. Older women are to be teachers of good things and to admonish the younger women. Lots of opportunities to serve in public ways or in the classes. There are opportunities to develop abilities other than these and to use them. East Side needs teachers. We have a lot of teachers. We need a lot of teachers. We have an extensive Bible class program going through the Bible text at every age level. We have men and women with knowledge and at times untapped abilities which should be used in helping build one another up through teaching. One of the great things about our class program here at Eastside is that most all the classes are taught in teams of two or three. So uh, an older experienced teacher could be together with some who, someone who doesn't have as much experience and, and work that way together. It's a wonderful opportunity for someone who has some Bible knowledge but is not too sure about teaching children or whatever to get into doing that. I have a lot of confidence in this group. I have a lot of confidence in this group that pound for pound, if I could say it that way, (laughs) we have a lot of knowledge. You can't be a faithful member at Eastside for very long without gaining significant Bible knowledge in our Bible classes, through lessons, through other ways and means of study. The Apostle Paul had the same confidence in the Romans. And he writes to them in Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. He says, I'm confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with knowledge. You're filled with knowledge. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? Filled with knowledge, and what does he say next? Able also to admonish one another. 
The word admonish there is a broad word in the Greek language. It has to do with putting something in somebody's mind. It can be, is used sometimes of, of warnings. You know, you warn somebody about something, you might uh, rebuke them about something. A lot of times it's just talking about counseling someone or, or teaching someone. So it's a very broad word, but we're able to admonish one another if we have Bible knowledge. Jesus has put everything the church needs in the church. All of the talents, all of the abilities, they're here. We're the ones who have to use them. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. He has given teachers in the church to do the work of the church. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministering, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not everyone has the same abilities, but everybody has abilities. And we must use them. Romans chapter 12 now, starting in verse 4. As we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. What are your gifts? What are your abilities? What abilities and gifts could you develop? Not right now, but I want you to look at that sheet that was handed out. What can I do? And what could I do if I develop my abilities? We all have gifts. Let us use them. That's the command of God's word. We have opportunities to prepare and participate in worship, prepare for and participate in worship. In the New Testament, of course, disciples came together on the first day of the week to break bread, just as we have this morning, to remember the Lord. And as Dustin so well put this morning, here nearly 2,000 years later, we're remembering his death and memorializing that as we've been instructed. The church came together not only to remember the Lord's death, on the first day of the week, but also to sing and pray and teach and give of our means. All this, all this that goes on and has gone on this morning even requires someone to serve and someone to prepare. Someone has to prepare the bread and the fruit of the vine that we all as Christians partook of this morning. And by the way, there might be a check thing on your list to if you can... Uh, pour juice in a cup or make bread, you might have a talent there that could be used. Someone has to prepare that. Someone has to pass it to the congregation during the assembly. Someone has to distribute the lesson sheets that were distributed this morning. Someone has to lead the singing and pray the prayers and give the Lord's Supper talk. And as we sing sometime in an old hymn, is that somebody you? Is that somebody you? We have these opportunities for spiritual service that again, we do because we love God and we love each other. That's what they're about. We have opportunities to minister 
to physical needs. Which, by the way, even when you're helping somebody with a physical need, there's a spiritual underpinning to that, isn't there? That has to do with love and care for one another in Christ. Opportunities to pool resources to accomplish great works. The church at Philippi had fellowship with the Apostle Paul in his great work. I, I would have just loved to have been able to put money in the collection plate at Philippi. I can tell you that because I know, I know that's going to Paul. And here they have fellowship in the amazing work that he's doing in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a similar privilege here. We support about 28 men in preaching the gospel here at Eastside. All over the world, doing amazing work. Baptisms, conversions into Christ virtually every week, sometimes several. What a privilege that is. These these men that we support, they have needs. Sometimes the churches that they're in have great needs for food. That's going on right now, and I'll talk about that some more in a minute. But just to support these men. Paul says of the Philippians, No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent once again, once and again to my necessities. I don't seek the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your account. All of that God puts in the account of the giving church and the individual who was a part who gave it. The churches of Macedonia gave not only to support the Apostle Paul, Philippi specifically, but also to the needs of Jewish Christians. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a passage that we've looked at uh, quite a bit over the last few years from time to time. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is talking about this contribution that he's trying to get Corinth to be a part of. Corinth as a church, this contribution that's being taken up for poor and needy saints in Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 12. The administration of this service, notice what he calls it, a service. We're talking about serving. The administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of the ministry, and the word ministry there means service, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayers for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God that is in you. They are giving. They are giving. The churches are giving, individuals in those churches are giving to help the poor and needy in Jerusalem. And those people will just rejoice and glory and praise will redound to God. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. When we think about what He's given us out of love, then doing this, it's not a burden, it's a privilege. When we think about what God gave to us, in sending His Son to die for us, and everything else that He's given us, His indescribable gift makes our gift all the more meaningful when we share what we have with others. Currently, the church here at Eastside is sending funds regularly to help hungry saints in Africa. This amounts to thousands and thousands of dollars every month. Right now, just for everybody's information, uh, there's really not enough in the budget to send for the needs that are ongoing right now. 
And so the elders are sending a large percentage, but not all that's being requested. And there are saints in Africa, I can guarantee you now, that don't get three meals a day. Here's a way we can serve. Here's a way we can serve. We have opportunities to minister to physical needs, to comfort one another in sickness, in loss, as we're struggling spiritually, in hard times. In James chapter 4 and verse 5 and verse 14, rather, uh, the sick are told to call for the elders of the church. Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, the text tells us. But that's not just the responsibility or the privilege of elders. That is to care about the sick. It's a responsibility and privilege of all of us, isn't it? To care about one another, looking out for others' interests and not our own. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18, when we think about passing from this life, and that's what the context of 1 Thessalonians 4 those that have passed on, what happens to them? How should we think about them? Paul gives us words about the resurrection and he tells the Thessalonians to comfort one another with these words. Share these words with one another. Words of comfort in the face of death. Christians are to help one another with such emotional problems, with times of loss, but also with spiritual problems and personal challenges. Comfort one another and edify one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. We We are here to serve one another by encouraging one another in a world of darkness. The world's not going to stand by you and hold you up when your heart is broken. When your faith is failing. When you've lost a loved one. The world's not going to stand by you. But God's people should. That's who we are. That's why God has given us one another. What an opportunity to serve. In the local church, there is fellowship, there is joy, there is love, there is family, there's growth, and there's support. There are also plenty of challenges. There's work to be done, responsibilities to be shouldered. There is service. The local church is a place of service. It's not a place for you to come and sit comfortably and have yourself entertained. It's a place to serve. It's it's an organization, a body of service. That's what we signed up for when we decided to follow Jesus. We signed up to be servants. Jesus said, Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's what it means to follow him. God God is in his temple. We are his temple. 
In the Old Testament, the temple was a place where people went to serve. And so it is today. His temple is a place of service, a body of service. And that's right, and that's appropriate. Because what this body is designed to do, this local church is designed to do, is to prepare us, as we sing in the song sometimes, to prepare us for service above. Do you realize that heaven is also a place of service? And here, we're being prepared for there. So the picture that you have in Revelation 22 and verse 3, when we come to the throne of God, the text tells us that we'll see the throne of God and of the Lamb, and that God's servants will serve Him. So to prepare from here to go there, let's serve. Let's give our hearts in devotion to serving God and serving one another. Thank you for your careful attention this morning. I hope that what I've said has been encouraging to everyone and not in any way discouraging. I hope that we can go forward and pick up the pace even more in every aspect of our service to the Lord and be more and more as we go forward all that God wants us to be. Is there someone here this morning that you know that you are not prepared for service above, that you're not ready to see God and be with Him eternally? What can you do to change that? Is there a sin you need to confess? Do you need to obey the gospel for the first time? Whatever it is, whatever it is that's standing between you and preparing yourself to meet God, let's take care of that right now. Please come while we stand and while we sing.